0: Hello.
1: Awesome. hello, hello, hello everyone, welcome to another Ilya series, Twitter spaces. Uh, today we're joined by two amazing guests, Ilya as usual, we also have Zachy here, I'll let them introduce themselves. Today's Twitter spaces will be uh, about chain abstraction, um, so let's go ahead and get into it and at the end I'll, I'll again as usual open the floor for Q&A if we have time, um, but uh, Zachy, why don't we go ahead and let yourself, uh, let you introduce yourself.
0: Hey, uh, hey, uh, Zeki Munyan, Been working in the blockchain space for nearly a decade. Uh, worked on a lot of different projects. Uh, I'm most famous for helping launch the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, I co-founded with my uh, co-founder on uh, both Inclusion, which is like the infrastructure business, and uh, Similier uh, with Christy Polston. Uh, and we did all, we've done all of this work, uh, sommelier you could think of as relevant to this question because it's kind of the 2021 version of what chain abstraction was, um, uh, sort of a prototype of this world that, uh, we've, and I have been talking about, um, worked on IBC, worked on a lot of different bridging protocols. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be uh talking to the near community about where i think um like a whole what i think is going to be like the next big uh sort of industry-wide uh sort of meta narrative um uh coming after sort of the the fast monolithic blockchains and the uh like sort of modular explosion
2: awesome thanks for coming coming. amelia amelia I think uh, you, uh, need to, you need to do
0: sound. sound. Okay, hold on, probably.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. So, yeah, I'm Ilya, I'm co founder of Nier. And, uh, yeah, we've kind of from the beginning been really focused on how do we really make it easy for people to use blockchain. Um kind of the strong belief is that as a user, I want to get value, I want to have an, a, you know all the economic opportunity that blockchain provides, sovereignty, security, but at the same time, I you know don't really care about the specific infrastructure decisions um, that uh, different chains are taking, you know, different wallets, as well as uh, kind of the complexity that you know, a lot of blockchains have introduced. And so for us, we've really kind of from the start tried to abstract blockchain as much as possible, um, kind of hide complexity, as well as uh, as we've been thinking about how does kind of this multi-chain world looks like, uh, it pretty naturally meant that, you know, we can continue expanding our kind of offering to Multi-chain world while still preserving the simplicity that we've been trying to introduce. And so actually we had a uh, podcast with Zaki in 2020 that I just released in today, um, where we were, we, it was a debate format of if, if there are going to be only a few chains or lots of chains. And uh, I, I mean, there was a lot of interesting uh, aspects there, but obviously we, we see a world with a lot of chains um but to me the kind of enabler enabling factor has been the zk that kind of enables uh really unified security uh for chains and so you don't need to spin up like a new validator that is new blockchain to get your own kind of environment and i think maybe we can start there because i mean there's a lot of pieces of kind of this chain abstraction uh that coming together but I'm actually curious, yeah, how, how you think about it, given kind of Cosmos started in a very different place, right? Of like, okay, everybody should start their own uh, chain with their own validator set. And then, you know, you kind of also started exploring some of the security unification. Um, yeah, so I'm curious how you think about this, think
1: You're muted
0: uh, on spaces too many devices uh okay so it's been clear to me from the beginning that the or okay so I remember um like very very early on in my uh sort of blockchain journey um uh Aaron and Ellie came uh, and presented at my tiny little meetup um in uh Mountain View uh the zero cash paper um, which eventually became uh, the basis for Zcash, um, and it was like the first public presentation uh, outside of like MIT and um, uh, Israel about uh, uh, outside of MIT and Techneon of like SNARKs, um, and it was like, okay, this is like complete magic and witchcraft. Like, how is it this possible that like you can get these like succinct proofs of arbitrary execution? So then it was like, okay. How long will it take before you can have these succinct proof proof? So, you know, at that point, you know, this is like 2013. uh, You know, zero knowledge was like almost was, you know, it started in the 80s. And it it took 30 years to get from um, from like the from like the original like PCP theorem papers to like uh, zero to like the zero cash paper. And we're like, okay, another 30 years to get to like, uh uh you know fully programmable succinctly verifiable um proof carrying data systems like what we like okay and that was the expectation um and then zcash launched and then it zcash launched in you know 2015 and it unleashed this giant torrent of innovation uh and here we are like it seemed like we have like expressive proof systems expressive languages uh provers are getting more efficient all the time And like ZK just completely reframes the world of and so I do think of like the Cosmos design as, you know, doing the best you could um, with satisfying people's desires for sovereignty and interoperability um, uh, with a technology of like uh, consensus protocols and consensus protocols with effective light clients um, and you still there, uh, uh, you know, there are there are still use cases for consensus protocols and committees aren't going away. Um, But the security properties of the system and like what your committee is guaranteeing you go down dramatically when you add proofs on top of it. So like the future of Interop is like a system that like direct like deeply relies on uh, zero knowledge. Um, And In general, that's like the end state of blockchains in general. It's the most secure censorship resistant system is a system where like, you know, like if you want to have a system of financial markets and there's a financial market that can be spun up basically on any computer anywhere in the world, but provide really like strong guarantees against corruptibility um, and can interoperate with any other market anywhere in the world, you're basically created like this like kind of extremely censorship resistant, extremely uh, like you know, cockroach like unkillable financial system. Uh, so I think that's like, you know, that system essentially like the prototype of that system now exists today. Um, a lot of people have done a lot of work to make that system possible. Uh, and I think once you have imagined the base layer of that system, which is like there's some interoperability protocol, there's some proving proof system uh, like there are some languages for building up applica- for building like economic primitives. Like we've kind of we're like we've. We, we, we've we been speed running to the end state uh, of that. And now it's a question of what comes later. Yeah, exactly. I
2: think there, this was very interesting to see kind of last year, right, as we had modularity really taking shape, kind of seeing a lot of folks kind of experimenting. So there's a really, you know, somewhat a snarky uh, tweet from uh, Mert about, you know, like if you, if you list all the possible options of all the you know, execution, DA, kind of sequencer, VMs, etc. cetera, uh, you get like, you know, a thousand different rollups uh, and probably like, there are probably some combination of things that would be more preferred, but even on top of it, right, there's, uh, with rollups as a service, you can spin up a, a, another 10,000 of these. Um, and so we have this kind of highly, modular, highly fragmented world. And we obviously still have a ton of blockchains, you know, layer ones, um, app chains uh, in Cosmos. And so so now the question is, okay, well, now what, right? Now there's like this vast uh, amount of block space, you know, these blocks are being produced everywhere at all the time. And uh, as a user now, you know, I have like, I have one MetaMask that has so many networks in it that you need to scroll. Um, I have a lot of different windows with different wallets uh, uh, in different browsers. And so, so we have this highly fragmented environment. And then on the other side as a user, uh, sorry, as a developer when you're building your app, you're only targeting whatever's audience is on that chain, right? You have a very limited kind of addressable market. Uh, and so now you are pretty much looking for additional help from the chain itself to grow it uh, addressable mark kind of its own user base to even be able to interact with them. And so, so this kind of what, uh, you know, something that like from our side, near, near is designed in, internally as a lot of chains, right? But we abstract this out. We don't like you, you as a user don't need to think that like every account is actually a separate chain. Like you just, you know, transact and all the cross chain interactions kind of hidden Uh, to use just an account of the system. And so the question is like, can we get to a level of similar experience across a vast uh, multi-chain environment? Uh, And like, what are the pieces that are needed to really pull it all together?
0: So one thing that I think is the case with Near and other blockchains that I think are going to be doing this chain abstraction thing, like Agoric and Enoma, et cetera, is that like these things were like designed correctly from like, like, with like a correct set of abstractions, like from the get-go. It's that, um, you know, like the current, like the current theory of how everything goes to market right now is like, you, uh, 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 like you launch your new thing, whether it's a uh, 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 monolithic L1, L2, Cosmos chain, whatever, um, you set off a speculative frenzy of of like new asset issuance and meme coins uh, and NFTs. Um, you have some set of economic primitives for like trading and exchanging those things that onboards users, and then like you achieve some critical mass under which you know there's like a sufficient Total addressable market in terms of both TVL and users that like your uh, uh, system, but like if there are thousands of possibilities of of uh, of uh, uh thousands of possibilities of like chain DA execution environment, etc. Like this pattern cannot repeat itself forever, um, and this is like not this this is not how I think. So like these like systems that i think may not have been like are not re like systems that like have been built with this like vision of okay like every account is its own little like asynchronous locality of state that can like reach out um across a multi-chain environment from your account um uh that's hosted somewhere like create effects across multiple blockchains like these things are like properly designed um and they're properly designed for that world that comes after like this sort of repeated pattern of like speculation, TVL accumulation, like trying to break through. One of the other problems, right, is that like, that I've always, that was like a real challenge for for crypto is that like people who respond like very positively to like number go up, yield like. Uh, like this thing will go to zero a thousand X, like playing PVP games in like liquidity pools. Like this is a relatively small population in the world's consumer base. Um, right. Like this isn't, this is not the user base of Facebook or Instagram or Gmail. Like yes, there is demand for like payments is a widely demanded thing. Identity is a long way. loyalty programs are widely demand things like so there are lots of things that we do in in crypto that are like have very large tvls but if our bootstrapping is like attract roughly the same population of like um volatility attracted people like there's this continuous gap that we're trying to like bridge across um Uh, And where you're and the one where you're trying to leap from, Okay, I've attracted all. like, let's say you've succeeded, you've attracted all of these like people who are attracted to volatility to your chain. Cool. Now, how do I get them to do things other than just speculate on mean coins?
2: Yeah, I think that that's a valid point that I mean, there is kind of different sub audiences that we have. And the sub audience of kind of speculators, right, is very important for crypto but at the same time it it doesn't provide a very clear path from kind of how to how to bridge the gap right uh to kind of more early majority that actually going to be using this kind of not for speculation but for their day-to-day use cases so what we've seen on near right and we have actually just recorded i think all-time high of you of uh, daily active accounts uh, was over 1.8 million, um, is that if you remove the need for the users to know about the blockchain, right, if the application um, is designed in such a way that it's extremely straightforward, right, you can get to kind of almost educate the users on what the different benefits are, as you kind of introducing more and more features to them in a way that you know, is interesting and, and engaging for them, right? So we have Sweatcoin and Cosmos, which are have completely hidden blockchain from their users, right? I think like there is a way to find that you have an address and and you can like even find how to bridge tokens to other chains and stuff, but it's not like in your face, right? You just have an app, you're interacting with it, uh, and kind of all the interactions are uh, within that app. And that's kind of the inspiration in many ways, right? It's like, how do we get that experience, but really working across uh, all of the blockchains uh, and in a way, transparently uh, kind of remove, you know, need to know about transaction fees, about, you know, specific gas tokens, bridging, kind of all of those pieces of experience that are really just an implementation detail of kind of our specific, you know, um, approach to, to, you know, securing and transacting on blockchains. So I know, I mean, Cosmos has been working a lot of the pieces for a while. Uh, we've started also kind of over a year now building out some of the pieces of the stack. So I think the biggest kind of enabler for this is what we call account aggregation. And you guys have as interchain accounts is this ability for a single account to really transact across many chains so i'm curious yeah maybe if you can expand like uh on the history of interchain accounts as well as how you see this evolving kind of from different directions
0: yeah okay so um initially ibc so the, the history of ibc was Initially, like what was proposed in the white paper was we would launch a token transfer protocol and then build a generalized system. Um, what ended up actually happening is we built a generalized system and then layered a token transfer protocol, uh, on top of, um, the token transfer protocol was successful, um, as, uh, as a system of, um, uh, the token transfer protocol was extremely successful. Um, as like for building like basically dexes on top of it, uh, like token swaps, all the stuff, osmosis, uh, you know, um, the token transfer protocol on IBC does billions of dollars of volume a month. Um, it's like one of the one of the bridge, biggest uh, uh, bridging and interoperability protocols. Um, but then we came up, you know, but like shortly after, there was this idea of what if we made it so that. Um, uh, so standard user accounts or something that looks a lot like a standard user account on a Cosmos chain um, could be controlled. So basically any transaction that w- could be sent by that user account could be sent me be passed over IBC. And I want to say like interchain accounts, like the initial version of it shipped probably in 2022. It's like been live for a long, long time. Um, and the primary adoption of interchain accounts initially was it turned out that all like basically um liquid staking protocols in cosmos decided to build on top of Interchain accounts so the basic idea is is you launch a blockchain and that blockchain uh uh would have that blockchain has you launch a blockchain that blockchain has uh as uh takes like atoms it's it opens an interchain account it stakes those atoms, earning staking rewards and like uh, uh, uh and then like compounding those staking rewards and then it gives you a fungible token that can is like redeemable for that and um you know a lot of other parts of, and it wasn't like entirely obvious that this would become dominant but like the dominant liquid staking protocols now in, in cosmos um all use this interchain account system. But interchain accounts can be used for a lot more. Um, you could have uh uh like on-chain governance or DAOs could control accounts um on other chains uh and that kind of stuff but like user ex- like UI UX so like I think we're like you know we're probably about two years into like the interchain accounts protocol and there's finally a UI for like a DAO on one chain in Cosmos to control an account on another uh chain in cosmos, um which you know is a is to a certain extent a result of the chaotic nature of cosmos. It's also an extent to which all of these things take a long time and are early. Um, but and then like another uh, uh sort of related system that like is sort of in the like wider cosmos ecosystem is Thorchain. And the way ThorChain works is really is also very interesting. In the sense of there are like thor chain does not use is built on as a cosmos chain but it, and it's in a multi-chain dex but it doesn't have ibc uh instead what it has is escrow accounts um, on all of the different chains it supports um most notably bitcoin and then so like if you want to do a swap um you you send your funds to the s2 escrow accounts um controlled by the validator set of both chains those validator sets then like see that this, all the funds have been received and then like execute the other side of the swap. Um, so like you could send Bitcoin to an escrow account, that escrow account then set, and you say, I want to buy Tether. Um, then, you know, Tether on let's say Ethereum or Tron um, gets sent to an escrow account. Um, and then the chain sees that those things are, it has custody of both funds. And then sends the Bitcoin to whoever's supposed to receive it and the tether to whoever's supposed to receive it. Uh so like we have these like early chain abstracted apps. Um and we could talk more about how sommelier is also in this pattern. But I think those are really good examples of like things that are practically doing like uh Thorchain is doing like one percent of Bitcoin spot volume roughly right now, which is just huge. Um, and uh, you know, interchain accounts for liquid staking on Cosmos um do are custodying hundreds of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars so these are all big successes for these systems nice
2: yeah i mean i think this is really kind of paved the way to show how this works i think for me one of the important things have always been that the bridges on themselves are um sadly the the least robust part of the blockchains right? Because they kind of, they try to unite security of two sides. And, and, you know, as we talked in the beginning, the security part is getting, um, you know, in some way more unified, but still kind of, they require a lot of maintenance They require kind of synchronization. And so I think one of the things that we are pushing is what we call unbridging. And so in, in, in a similar way that ThorChain, for example, uh, the chain itself has accounts on on uh, on different other chains is this ability to have kind of for any account on near to have kind of remote accounts everywhere else and being able to transact with them without needing to bridge and so kind of as part of this I wanted to uh, invite Kendall to kind of who works a lot uh, more closely with all this uh, to kind of speak about some of the use cases that uh, uh, he sees as well as like people already building out. Uh, yeah.
3: Hey everyone. Um, and yeah, Zach, I appreciate the uh, the examples and the, the kind of history of interesting accounts there. I think that's, that's actually pretty, pretty enlightening. Um, yeah. I mean, so I think there's like, you kind of been discussing a, a few different groups here. I think like, uh, the way I sort of see it is there's like, Oh, I mean, oof, okay. Um, yeah. So anyways I see it, there's like two kind of, Different audiences here that are like kind of appeal can eventually be appealed to by whether it's interchain accounts or like kind of the near multi-chain accounts. There's the the crypto native audience who is very different in that a lot of times they they actually really care or want to know about what chain they're on. And then you have like normal people or institutions or whatever it might be, more like the normies who actually are just trying to solve some kind of problem or like actually want you know as much of what chain they're on or, or where their assets are, whatever it is to be abstracted away as possible. Um, I think the, yeah, the, the, for the crypto native audience, the, the areas we're really excited about are basically just, there's like a, a couple of important things to basically abstract away. You know, one is, or, or at least like simplify. One is just getting your assets between chains. And in the cosmos world, IBC does a really great job of that. Um, but in the non-cosmos world, which is a lot of, you know, a lot of chains that people want to interact with, the solutions are are pretty messy like at the very least you have to kind of navigate the world of bridge trade offs and while there's plenty of great teams there like that is complicated and then even if you find a bridge to get your assets across you have to kind of fi- figure out how you're going to pay for gas and i think there's a lot of teams trying to solve that problem but it's still quite messy um, and then the other problem you have is that like almost zero bridges go everywhere right um, because it's obviously quite complex to even add you know any sort of new chain to this sort of mix outside of the IBC world. Um, And so I think that there's some, yeah, the 4Chain I think actually has done a really good job of at least showing uh, the potential for, you know, using threshold signing for these these, uh, kind of deposit accounts. Uh, But what we're we're excited about doing is expanding that even further to like the user account level. Um, And I think that opens up a lot of opportunities, both on the normie side where like you actually now can have an account that can sign for any chain. Like Any chain that's elliptic curve is supported, which you know, can, is actually fairly straightforward, at least to, to add over time, um, you can sign for. Uh, and then what gets really interesting is you can also like, make these accounts smart contracts that are immutable, and then you can build protocols on top of it. So you can then have protocols that can actually control assets um, on various different chains. Now, where things get complicated is uh, you know, Thorchain, obviously, to add support for these new chains, they basically need their validators to run full nodes. Which does create some kind of scaling challenges there, or at least like some, you know, there's a lot of implementation work to add support for new chains. Uh, So we're actually pretty excited about the potential to build protocols, accepting the design constraint of the fact that you that the near chain in this case would have no idea of like essentially which account, like the the value of the accounts that it's signing for. Um, But there's some interesting ways to still kind of design some cross-chain swaps with this, or even lending protocols with this. Or you know, even I think you know, another great design space is kind of bringing smart contract functionality to chains that don't have it. Whether that's Bitcoin um, or you know, even Atom, I think it's been really cool to see the uh, inscriptions protocol that's taken off on Atom. Obviously, a lot of great ways to use IBC there. But I think uh, there's some fun stuff that we'll be exploring, building there too, to just like bring programmability to these kind of chains that don't have a smart contract layer built in.
2: Yeah, I think one of the really interesting examples uh, is kind of using the NIRS um, kind of account obstruction, native account obstruction that we have, is because if you have this uh, kind of addresses linked to your account, and let's say you have you know some Bitcoins, some Mordenals, some Atoms, some you know Madlet, NFT, you kind of all link to one near account, you can actually Sell like that near account, turn it into nFT and list it on the marketplace, and do all that at kind of a speed of near in you know atomic uh, or semi atomic approach without needing to kind of transact across all of the blockchains involved in this transition so I think this is one of the kind of those interesting cases where by abstracting this out right you actually kind of Creating this new level at which people can transact without needing to think about individual um, kind of assets and chains and uh, transacting there, and in turn, this allows to have kind of this new level of programmability as well uh, for developers. So maybe kind of uh, switching gears, the I mean, there is like a you know use case where, as you know, some of these apps like uh cosmos you know getting hundreds of millions of users they transacted across all of this i think question is like how do we bring the kind of most developers to this concept like how do we educate them that this is really important versus kind of the current approach where people pick one chain and and kind of focus on it i know zach you have been kind of talking about some of this before um so curious uh kind of to voice your
0: opinion So I guess the question in my mind is really whether or not any of these, like, I think like one of the bigger points is that like very few applications that represent like a full end-to-end user workflow exist today. And in the modern world, no application that like does a full end-to-end user workflow is going to be like truly single chain. Um, there are like, I think like, but like, I think the idea is, but like the other side of that is, is that these tribes are never going to go away. There's going to be like, there's going to be an Adam tribe. There's going to be a soul tribe. There's going to be a near tribe. There's going to be an E tribe. There's going to be a Bitcoin tribe. Um, there's it's unlike, I don't think the like social layer of these things just dissolves. Um, and so I think like what you are going to see is like, more like apps that are located firmly within their tribes um and like appeal to people within their tribes but like are at the same time willing to um are going to be are going to need tools and abstractions to like appeal to like the like all all users who are willing to be onboarded so maybe
2: to to kind of frame this a little bit more controversially. The current dapps are not actual dapps. They're just front ends for smart contracts on some chains. And, yeah. and,
0: and smart, apps, contracts are are smart, contracts,
2: smart contracts are not apps. Yeah, smart contracts aren't apps. Yeah. Smart pieces con-
0: of logic and functionality and state. Yeah. Like I think our question is like like to or like to be more concretely is uh like Uniswap or uh or Oasis, on Solana, uh, uh, or even like Osmosis, are they apps? Or are they just front-ends to uh, uh, like a swap functionality, which is a a useful piece of tech, but like, you know, not... A feature of financial... Yeah, it's it's a finance feature. Like, nobody thinks, you know, like, the market is somewhat like, uh, if, if you look at like, TradFi and like what you're like on what like a a brokerage account uh provides you um uh and like which is like multiple ways like you don't think of the stock exchange as the app no it's like well i want to like uh, i want exposure to this asset i want to like manage a portfolio like portfolio management is the app uh uh not uh not like i happen to swap at like this particular venue
2: yeah, and I think I mean this. This being the flip side of composability is that like you can build and composability and like this access, you can build a feature, a very powerful feature, and make it really big, right? Because everything else around you composes, uh, and so you know Uniswap obviously built on top of the fact that there is MetaMask and there is kind of other. Uh, you know, forces that onboard users and assets are being launched uh, without needing to do all that. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, I think as, as, we, need, as we need to transition to this uh, kind of next stage of growth, we really need to kind of acknowledge that the best products will, you know, encompass the whole user journey it will provide a really easy way to, you know, start using, start earning, start transacting, and kind of, uh, but, like, it will be all packaged in one, and then from there, like, they probably want to, like, that app will want to have access to the whole multi-chain world of, of kind of logic and liquidity and uh, kind of bits and pieces that exist in Web3 to really provide the best experience to their users, and I think that's Really, what at the core of chain abstraction that uh, we kind of talking about here is that um, like this new generation of apps that will be kind of built in, in this mindset will will be the ones targeting kind of broader set beyond just you know any single tribe, and in but in turn they will be able to you know provide value and and uh, to all of the chains as well and kind of. In the way arbitrage, whatever the best smart contract and whatever the best kind of liquidity attractor is. I don't know, Kendall, if you want to add something.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, if, if we look at a lot of what exists in crypto today, you know, especially at least on the DeFi side, like it's, it's infrastructure, right? It's like yeah, the primitives are basically financial infrastructure. And so, like, what matters is that that infrastructure is used to, like, proliferate new, uh, new assets or, or make, you know, existing assets, like just, you know, Im- the experience around existing assets and the financialization of them, you know, more efficient in some way. So I definitely agree that like, you know, the the apps, <laughs> the fully featured apps are kind of yet to come. I think what gets really interesting and, and where chain attraction becomes kind of more paramount is like, you know, there's a lot of different design choices that are, and trade-offs that are being made in, you know, creating each of these different chains, whether it's app chain or, you know, kind of like a, you know, a general chain. Um, And so you would expect that like, we're going to see different applications that are going to like make more sense on different chains. And in that world you're going to need, like that's where that's the world in which you expect that these kind of full feature applications may actually be taking advantage of different components that are proliferating on different chains because those technical trade-offs are more likely to favor them. Um, And so I I think that like, yeah, it, it seems like that's the way that we're going. I mean, it's, It's early in the sense that I think there's right now, like Zaki pointed out earlier, there's uh, basically like the same set of primitives that each new chain or even L2 now, or eventually L3 is just redeploying under maybe different brand names or even the same brand names and just kind of like, you know, splintering off basically, uh, like more like copy paste. And then maybe you get to the point of innovation. Um, So I think we'll see that hopefully start to kind of erode as it'll be like, oh, actually, You know, this chain or layer two or whatever it is makes more sense for this type of use case. This one makes more sense for this one. And then we can have enough of this kind of like infrastructure built on top of it that hopefully, you know, whether it's IBC or Nier or a combination of that can be used to actually build these these full experiences that people actually desire to use rather than just like infrastructure for them that, you know, appeal to a specific tribal norm. And obviously, tribalism is not going to go away. That probably is one of the core products of crypto, digital tribalism at least. Uh, so certainly that needs to be catered, like those users need to be catered to as well. But yeah, I think we're going to see uh, a lot more of like the building on top and the abstraction as we onboard more and more people to this, to this kind of world.
2: Awesome. Uh, should we have open it up for questions? Or I don't know, Zaki, if you have anything else to add.
0: Um, I, I think this question, right, is it's like, so I will just say like one of the experiences with building Sommelier, which is like this, like has, it has components on Ethereum it has components on Ethel 2 It has components on a Cosmos chain. It presents to its users exactly as if it was an Ethereum app, um, which is, was like Christine, Christie's like and my vision of like, do not ship this as a Cosmos chain. There's, um, And so, you know, the tribe that you build for and the TAM that you go after are not inherently related to the technology you use. Um, And I think that's going to be like that. So, you know, you're going to start seeing things that get positioned uh, at, like you could imagine a world in which you see something that is like fully positioned as like the best bonk trading experience, but it uses a bunch of near accounts uh under the hood and a bunch of places to like enable people to like onboard and offboard off of Solana for their telegram bots to like for the telecom trading bots to have like smart like intelligent account permissioning etc which is without having to say oh okay like what what can we cram can we cram the optimal solution to every design problem into like the svm design patterns which like there's just there are inherent trade-offs Yeah, I mean to
2: show we have a Telegram trading bot coming out, uh, leveraging account obstruction. So uh, sounds like that's a next next use case uh, to offer Bonk. But yeah, I think the maybe one one thing that like for me that I always find challenging that people perceived like you know th- there's kind of a perception among and especially it's VCs, but but it it kind of goes beyond that. A chain-specific metrics like uh, TVL or other things affect like the success of the app building there, because the perception is that you're limited by the users and kind of you know liquidity that is available there. And I think what what we're talking here importantly kind of breaks through that and in a way invalidates a lot of the things that people are looking at right now, and instead really kind of brings it back to like, what is the best use case? What's what's the best uh, kind of, you know, programmatically, like, you know, if you think of databases, you don't think of like, oh, uh, this database is like, I'm going to cram everything into it, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to use MongoDB for this and, you know, Postgres for this uh, and like Cassandra for that. And so uh, so I I would say like we'll see some of, some of that transition as
0: well in the space, which I'm I'm just generally excited about. <laughs> um, so I think like one of the things just to like reinforce this idea is I think I don't think a lot of investors in the space under- like have a detailed understanding of why things like TVL sort of restrict, restrict your ability, and it has a lot more to do with like custody onboarding, like custody risk management, um, that kind of stuff. And like how a lot of actors in the space like think about those things. Um, And so there's like a lot of different counterparties that are like onboarded onto Ethereum. Um, And it was relatively, it's like, it's been an easier story to say, oh, you as a counterparty are onboarded to Ethereum. How do we onboard you onto an L2 Um, than it is to like, Go to that same set of counterparties and onboard them onto Celestia, um, or onboard them onto uh, Solana, or onboard them onto. Um, but the uh, but I do think what we are sketching out as a world is a world that if you think of counterparties onboarding onto these like sort of uh, account obst- like or chain abstracted like interfaces and chain abstracted. Uh, systems and layers, then they're like, okay, cool. I And we've, we've, we, we have both, we've, uh, we've seen some of this in Cosmos and we're seeing, and I would say uh, we've tried at various points in the past to push it harder. And maybe that th- those moments are coming closer. Like, so what we've seen is, is that like, if you, onboard onto like one Cosmos chain, even if the Cosmos chains are very, very different from each other, it is easier to see at, to, for like counterparties who have figured out custody, compliance, everything for one Cosmos chain to then do another Cosmos chain. One of the things that we pitched in the past to things like custodians is like, hey, like what if there was one Cosmos chain where you would control, where like where you would hold all of your assets? Could you, simplify your onboarding so like rather than every individual cosmos chain having to go to the same list of custodians and the same list of exchanges and get onboarded can we just have a solution and i you know there's some things i can't talk about yet but there are some like big players in the ecosystem in like the crypto ecosystem that are ready to like kind of dip their toes into this a little bit where they're like okay like we haven't onboarded uh this chain but we have onboarded a chain that uh, like IBC is embedded in and like we are comfortable use, starting to use some IBC features so that users on our platform um can like for instance like uh you know send assets to osmosis if we have an on, onboarded on osmosis or uh you know uh or like liquid stake atom or something like that using our interfaces without having to like directly and I think a lot more of this and like some of this can be done permissionlessly in Cosmos like you could like you could create a uh, an account on let's say noble and say uh like uh, another smart contract platform or an MPC platform or something could like say if you like we'll create an account and a user just needs to put that account into their coinbase send usdc to that account and then it will do some complicated thing like swap into atom liquid stake that atom and then like uh uh you know like leverage stake it um that complicated thing could be embedded and encoded as a user interface element as just like here's this one noble address stick it into coinbase
2: yeah and i think this is kind of the direction we as near trying to build toward where uh, ideally anyone just needs to integrate one time and then has access to kind of all the chains, you know, from Bitcoin to all the EVMs to Solana to Cosmos chains. And I think uh, on the on our side we're also trying to make it easier to integrate by actually adding Ethereum transaction format and kind of standards uh, to really make it kind of straightforward for a lot of the counterparty to do this. So I think the there's definitely like this kind of removing the barrier to onboard and then also removing the barrier to interact kind of across the vast majority of the chains it also has this like interesting equalizer effect where right now you know if you have like a roll up or a chain and you you know you figured out how to do partnership with you know this custodian or that uh partner who like added whatever, some other support, like this approach of, you know, account aggregation will actually kind of equalize it because, you know, you can just deposit assets, you can um, kind of swap, etc. with any chain directly. You don't need uh, to uh, have them onboarded. You can even, for example, take the Oracle information, repost it on every other chain uh, in the same way, right? And so you have kind of the same level of security. Near provides. So you can have like all those interesting, like replication waves going kind of through the whole other blockchains as well. All right, well, so we have, I think 10 minutes. Uh, let's maybe open up to some questions, especially to people who don't agree with us and think that blockchains will not be abstracted and they are building the most important apps.
1: (laughs) Awesome, sounds good. Um, Yeah, if anybody does have any questions, any feedback uh, about the session today, any thoughts, feel free to come up and request speaker. We have about uh, five to 10 minutes so we can take a few
2: questions. And look out for t-shirts, your dApps or not dApps. All
1: right, uh, we have uh, Dean Tr- Tribble um, that is requesting to speak. Uh, you are connected. Go
4: ahead. Hello. You, you, you had a challenge of ha- of having to disagree, so I had to step up and and at least bounce something that I was <laughs> thinking about this morning because chain abstraction, I think, is is huge. It's it's coming. It's really important. Um, and I was thinking of the analogies to Web two for it, um, where you know you've got a browser and you just get to go to all these applications and use things across the board. Um, but. <clears throat> A, you know, a, we've got a lot of interoperability. A hard challenge is, of course, you know orchestrating the activity across all these the, the, these services in the back in the background. But in Web 2, I use like Google Docs, and I can't trivially drag a Google Doc over to my box. I mean, sometimes the front end does the work to kind of make that mostly seamless to the user. But in fact, we're doing okay where there's this hybrid of some things are very abstract, but some things really aren't. And you really can't tell the boundaries of when you've got your thing at Fidelity versus Schwab, you know, in a remote from a remote asset point of view, or if you've got your you've got your document in 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 one storage facility versus another. And I'm curious, uh sort of, you know that That limits of how much we actually got chain abstraction in Web two, what that looks like in Web three from your perspective, you know and, and that, that'll give us the limits of what we need to orchestrate across, what we need to be able to program to have you know smart contracts interact across all these different applications and, and, and do, th- do stuff on behalf of the user.
2: right, mean, I'll, I'll start just quickly. I think the the interesting analogy of the current web3 is if you imagine that email, you know, everybody back in the day had their own email server uh, and were able to send emails to each other. But we are in this world where, you know, you can only send email to the people on the same email server. And so <laughs> uh, so we're kind of adding that uh, into connection. Yes, yes. But, but, but I think maybe just to kind of, uh, what you mentioned, the examples, I think the core, the core differentiator here is that they don't use a common protocol underneath, right? If, if they were using a common protocol, which by the way, for banking, the common protocol is money. Like actually sending dollars is the protocol of, of exchanging information, right? Um, so like if, if there was a common protocol for documents, right? There probably would be a way to you know, transport the documents like pretty easily between because somebody would just build an extension on top of this. Um, and so I think the benefit we have here is really we have this open protocol that anybody can build on, and it, and it's also like kind of by design not supposed to uh, have this like lock in and like I'm I'm assuming some protocols will try to like avoid chain abstraction and kind of not mm-hmm. allow people yes. to do this, but yeah. that will be like antithetic to the whole space. Yeah, actually, uh, it's
4: worth noting, and I think there's the you know that that this also speaks to sort of both my question and your answer, is money is not in fact the, the the common protocol. It's sort of a least common denominator, but you've got SWIFT and you've got WIRE and you've got check. I mean, they refer to these rails, where there are a whole bunch of money rails that various different subsets of the world talk that from the point of view of users you know at one level of abstraction they're uniform and abstract across that at another level down when you choose to move money from one bank to another you decide is it you know are you going to use ACH or wire but it's all controlled through the same mechanism or you know through through different mechanisms and actually transferring the money involves some software somewhere orchestrating lots of machines of multiple different players but there are multiple protocols that different people implemented that overlap and i could easily see us ending up there where again you know, the programming side of that is we got to be able to easily produce new protocols that orchestrate, you know, from smart contracts, orchestrate multiple machines talking different things. And then from the UI point of view, we need to we need to present a more uniform interaction from the user's point of view. So that those all kind of work the same from the user experience, you know, but that would correspond to having different interop protocols. Or, or slightly different worlds that you can still operate between, but you still perceive some boundaries as you cross them.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a, a big, a lot of it's gonna come down to, you know, what level of like collaboration or alignment can we expect between chains? Like in the cosmos world, I think what's, what's worked really well is like everyone agreed on like, well, we're at least gonna agree on IBC, like this kind of, you know, protocol to like communicate between chains and send assets or, or whatever it might be. Um, but a lot of other chains are not necessarily agreeing on that uh, right now, at least. So there might be a world in which, you know, IBC there's something like it does become this kind of like very, very commonly agreed upon standard, like, you know, in the world of email where like, people at least are going to agree right. on that protocol. Right. Um, and, that, and that can influence a lot of what gets built there. Uh, and then you know we might not see that happen. I think that's a world where something like you know like we're, we're really keen on this idea of threshold signatures. And like as long as the the chain supports the elliptic curve, that you your support with your threshold signing scheme, then you can build some level of integration there. Now, obviously there there's limitations, right? It's like the lower level. I think the lower down, the closer to like the you know, the core of like each chain, you can agree on some kind of protocol for whatever it is you're trying to solve for. The, the more powerful these integrations, are, or at least the e- easier it can be at the app layer to build this. Whereas if you have to go higher and higher up the stack, then probably it's going to limit some of the uh, applications you can build, or at the very least, make them more complicated. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah,
4: And in general, I should say, I very much agree with chain abstraction. I was just exploring the limits, you know, and 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 so I'll stop now. But the, you know, a protocol for exchanging tokens versus a protocol for exchanging NFTs, you know, things will get more richer and richer as we get more and more of these Standards across uh, across the different low level transports, if you will.
2: I mean, one thing we actually we actually started building this early on, and it was more for broader composable decentralized front ends. But we actually think that 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 it will be one of the components that will allow to have kind of a more um, abstracted out uh, across multi chain world interfaces. Like even the example you, you described, right? ACH versus wire transfer versus you know SEPA versus whatever. Like the reality is, you can not build an interface that just like automatically chooses based on whatever address you entered, uh, like which protocol should be used underneath. It just banks don't do that. And so the idea here is like even if there is like multiple you know different protocols depending on some set of conditions, like it can choose all of them for the user under the hood, like. It's just just, you know, somebody needs to define that ideally, like everybody adopts that kind of uh, logic and then reuses it in their own front ends. And so that's kind of how we see a lot of the decentralized kind of composable front end that we've been working on uh, as part of Neo.js, really fitting in this chain abstraction stack where it's not just about accounts, it's also when you start building uh, kind of applications, you, you want to reuse a lot of the kind of UX pieces as well uh, kind of off the shelf, not needing to reinvent, you know, a new UX every time you build an application that like yep. handles all of the different protocols across different systems.
4: Yep, makes sense. Thank you.
2: Thanks Dean for coming.
4: Awesome, really great, uh,
1: really great feedback, actually. You know, that's kind of what we need to, to continue to uh, build out the future and, um, and kind of make sure we're heading in the right direction. Uh, but with that, doesn't look like um, there. There's one. There's actually one more request from equipment. Um, we have time for one more. Just be mindful of time. Um, let me go ahead and get you up here. All right, and you are connected. Uh, yep. We can hear you.
5: Thank you, Ilya, for hosting this call. Uh, lovely to hear Zucky and uh, Dean as well. So we were actually, uh, the, the last two people I mentioned, we were actually on a call three years ago, also with Sunny, talking about a, um, preserving this constraint that we want proof-of-stake tokens to stay in their respective staking pools, while also kind of not sacrificing the bridging. And um, this is just context leading up to the question, by the way. Uh, and um, so the solution that we discussed was essentially having an implementation of option pools on every chain. And rather than transferring assets, you transfer uh, beneficiary rights to execution of options. And so that kind of solves the need to actually do transfers of, of assets. But the one thing I think this is the open question who really addresses uh, if if we don't sort of narrow ourselves on on chain link uh, dons or what have you uh, is, is the problem of validators actually reading across chains and having equal sort of permissions to those respective contracts on behalf of users to kind of do these uh you know do these proxy transfers if you will of of beneficiary rights so at, at some layer you kind of still have to do um you know what there still has to be a middleman at the end of the day kind of like cross-chain oracles or however you want to call them is this sort of still the consensus or what what have, what are the thoughts there
3: i do have a uh a particularly strong opinion here. Um, uh, So I think it's a great question. And I actually, I think there is uh, a design space that allows at least two parties who maybe have assets on different chains to trade the rights to the, basically the right to sign, to move those assets on those different chains without actually the sort of chain that's facilitating this interaction to be aware of the value of the assets on those chains. So, I mean, just to give a tangible example, like we're actually building something exactly like this uh, so if you if you imagine that near is like this layer, they can basically trigger signatures for two different chains that are not near, and you have uh a user on one side, maybe it's bitcoin um and they're basically going to like generate an address from this signing scheme that's like controlled by near, send their bitcoin to that near, which feels to them like depositing the asset into you know into this exchange uh and then another user on Ethereum who's basically doing the same thing but on Ethereum. Uh, if the, as long as the smart contract on whatever chain it is, in this case, NIR, is able to basically adjudicate who can then sign to transfer those assets out to their whatever you know, hardware wallet exchange, whatever they want it to be, then you can essentially perform this, this swap in a completely atomic and you know, trust minimized way. Um, so I think I basically I think there is a design space that doesn't require the chain where the sort of like the smart contract and that's managing basically the swap. Of these two accounts, or, or these two like asset rights to assets, uh, to be aware of the state on those respective chains. Now, I mean, it, it introduces some some like potential complexity and like some limitations, but I think uh, it, it actually is you know it's underexplored, like versus the Thor chain approach of kind of like essentially having you know the validators of Thor chain also run full nodes of of the respective chains.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I will say to this question of like this, like trade beneficial options. So one of the things that you can sort of recreate in this like beneficial options uh, abstraction layer is some of the benefits of, of uh, atomicity um, that like exist in like a single chain unique environment where you can take out a global mutex um i think the design is underexplored i think the practical reality is that, that you have that like a lot of infra has to be built before it becomes really practical to explore this so uh i made a like a design sketch called cinderella tokens that like ex- that like floats around on twitter periodically about this idea of like trading beneficial options uh, i think there are a lot of i think there's like Potentially, like a lot of stuff going on here, but it's just, uh, um, and like this, these ideas reemerge, and like people are talking about this, like you know, in like the shared sequencer context, people are talking about this in the uh, like Anoma has this Chimera chain concept, like all of these things actually kind of are very, very similar related things, um, that pro- that like are part of this sort of chain abstraction story that eventually emerges where you have, um, where you can abstract over like a bunch of this economic complexity. Uh, but we're, it, it it's going to be a longer road than I think a lot of people expected. I mean, I think it's been a longer road than the Thor chain people have ex- uh, expected to get to where Thor chain is. Um, and there's, there, there tends to be like, you know, uh, uh like the reality of crypto is like the, is, um, a lot of things happened on the road to the end state and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different, there's like a lot of side quests and adventures. Um, And just linearly building towards the end state has actually almost always been like the wrong move in crypto. It's like, you want to build like the next incremental thing. And like generally the timelines in which you have to build have also gotten shorter. So like IBC was like five years end to end, uh, like to design and like, there's nothing that you could be building in crypto that you have five years to like, just like go into a cave and build right now.
2: Okay, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see some of all this playing out. I'm, I'm inviting everyone uh, to come in and then we're gonna be organizing uh, kind of a more uh, deeper dive on chain abstraction. If you're visiting, I'm also gonna be posting kind of a longer blog posts I uh, also kind of diving in into this and we'll, we'll have more content coming out. Um, and yeah, I mean, I want to thank uh, Zaki and Kendall for coming in. I think it was amazing spaces. You know, we, sh- we need to continue educating this while we continue building this. It's been a very long road already for all of us, but um, you know, we do have like made a ton of progress uh, all together and I remember, you know, talking about all of this, like in 19 with Zaki and like we had like, you know, zero apps working or z- zero <laughs> functionality working. Now we have some functionality working and we have like couple apps, that was, you know, millions of users. And so, you know, hopefully next time we talk a little bit shorter than <laughs> <I> mean, public <laughs> publicly, <laughs> it'll be shorter than this, but, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, I mean, I think it's exciting to see all of those pieces kind of converging as well as uh, really working uh, kind of this, this multi-chain vision, really starting to uh, work in a way where uh, how it's supposed to be, honestly, like that it, it's a functionality and in infrastructure providers that really fit all of this together. Yeah. All right.
1: Awesome. Thank you you very much. Both of you or all three of you, Kendall, thank you for joining us for uh, coming out to the spaces. Thank everybody. I want to thank everybody here for joining us today as well. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Have a good day, everybody.